Welcome to another episode of Catholicism Not Just for Dummies. I'm Father Andy. And I'm Father Andy, Father Andy the Greater and Father Andy the Lesser. In this episode, we will be talking about logic. Logic 101. So, and we owe this whole episode to Father Andrew Fabian, God yes. rest his soul. Our mentor, yeah. He was a professor priest at St. Mary's in Winona, Minnesota, mm -hmm. um, and instructed generations of priests. Yeah, and bishops. All over the Midwest. Yeah, I think he taught 49 years. Wow. We're, are we still in the intro? Sort of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Is there a clear-cut ending to the intro? What else do we need in the intro? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> we are your hosts, Father Andy the Greater and Father Andy the Lesser. Buckle up, we've got a lot to cover. This is Catholicism, not just for dummies. The impetus for this episode is that I feel like, I mean, I, I say that phrase, and it's exactly that, is that if, feelings kind of rule the day, right? That when people are having an argument right. or a disagreement, it seems to be whoever can shout the loudest or right. whoever can make the most gut-wrenching like appeal or however you want to put it, right? Like, there's not a lot of logic or reason going into arguments these right. days. Right, and especially I think with moral arguments, people will say even, how do you feel about abortion or something like that? And and then they will say, I feel it's wrong because, but it's 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 based on feelings and, and how they react to it as opposed to what is the reasoned argument for or against it. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, as, as human beings, we're built for knowledge and truth, right? Like as Catholics right. who believe that we're right. created for truth and this notion that what I feel will make me happy to go through life, you know, judging what I should do on how I feel about things mm -hmm. as Catholics who believe is kind of a self-destructive path, right? Right. Well, I think, you know, feelings are part of our makeup as human beings. Yeah, so they're not, not the, inherently bad, but... But they're not the most important part, I would say, because yes. we have our soul, which which has an intellect and a will, meaning we, we are able to know the truth and to choose free will. And to reason what the truth is, right? Right, right. So, so hence the, the impetus for this episode, no. um, that... If we're gonna have intellectual reasoned arguments about you know topics, mm -hmm. we need to have a basis of understanding of logic. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone should go through logic class in college. No, not just philosophy majors, but everyone. No, I, I totally agree. And they, I mean, I, I think there is a course called critical thinking now, but it's. It's more like symbolic logic is what they teach as opposed to Aristotelian logic, which is what Father Fabian would be promoting as a good Dominican that he was. Good Dominican that he was. 
Oh yeah, Father Fabian uh, comes from the strong Thomistic background, uh, being a Dominican. Yes. Uh, just so you know, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, is one of the greatest theologians, philosophers in the history of the Catholic Church. Right. Um, and kind of Middle Ages. Well, yeah, twelve. 24 to 1274. So okay. I had a whole class just on St. Thomas Aquinas in, okay. at the Angelica. What was his nickname? The Dumb Ox. The Dumb Ox. He was kind of a bigger fellow, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He came across as being kind of slow-witted. Okay. And uh, and so they called him the Dumb Ox because he was big and appeared to be slow, but he was but, not. But uber-intelligent. Yeah. Um, and so if you ever heard of the Summa Theologica, that's his work as well. But right, right. To which, at the end, he said it's all straw, though, right? When he had a, a glimpse of the beatific vision, mm -hmm. right? right. Um, and he said it's all straw, right. right? And did he, like, attempt to, like, burn his papers or something? No. Well, he just quit working on it, I think. Yeah. I, uh, maybe he tried to destroy it. But we, yeah. it, it prompted us to say, if St. Thomas's work is straw, what does that make <laughs> the other philosophers that we had to study? <laughs> Why do we have to take these we classes? Won't, we won't mention that. Oh, gosh. Okay, so getting back to the logic, though, um, you want to start out by talking about logical fallacies, correct? Logical fallacies, yeah. Actually, I had a I was teaching um, confirmation class with high schoolers, and I said we're going to uh, argue moral topics, and so you're going to have to give a reasoned presentation of your position. And I said before we do that, though, we're going to learn the logical fallacies, so so that you don't use these in your arguments. And so they, I think, they enjoyed going through them learning what the fallacies are. And I said, especially when you're discussing things with your parents, you can point out fallacies that they're using. Well, I bet they love that. <laughs> they were like eager to use those. <laughs> but actually, after we went through it, they did a, a pretty good job of, of using reason. Yeah, to not using them. Yeah, to, yeah. to make an argument. Yeah. Did you just, have any angry parents coming back to you? No, oh, not really. I said, ultimately, you have to be obedient. <laughs> Good Regardless catch. of the Good catch. fallacies in their logic. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So it looks like you have them lined out here. Yeah. So this is actually from the test that I gave the kids. So it's identifying the fallacy and then matching it up with statements that people have made. Okay. So the first fallacy is appeal to force. Yeah. That means it's like pressuring someone to accept the argument okay. by means of force. It's not a valid... It's not... Yeah, whether it's reasonable or not, you're just like forcing them to accept it by, right. by force. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, what example did you have? Well, it's from the movie Ben-Hur, actually, okay. where the, uh, the Roman guard is talking to Ben-Hur and he tells him, Rome is the way of the future. You might as well accept it. Meaning it's... This is a, a statement from force. Yeah. There's there's no logical argument there. It's just appeal to force. This is what's going to happen. Might as well get on board. Right, right. Whether it's the right thing to do or not. Yeah. Or the reasonable thing to do yep. or not. Yeah. The next one is a very common one. It's called ad hominem, which means to the man. It's 
instead of uh, answering with logic, you attack the person that you're yeah. talking to. Which I feel like is a, a whole political system right now. Right, <laughs> right. And we see it on both sides in the news. Oh, yeah. not They're constantly cu cutting down the person. And not arguing issues. Yeah, not looking at the issues or what they're saying. Does it hold water or not? Yeah, and so... Um, yeah, just calling someone an idiot or a moron or... Yeah. Yeah, so would you say it's like has to do with credibility like i'm thinking like the trial room you know like they mm -hmm. talk about character would that kind of be ad hominem or would that or does that have a, a reasonable place in court well i think arguments? i think they um they follow the rules of logic there because they can object to a certain line of argument okay and if it's just ad hominem, they would it would be objection sustained because you can't okay. just attack a person's character. Okay. Okay. Unless it plays into the committing of the crime, I suppose. Okay. But your example for ad hominem? This was um this was on quite a while ago. Remember Bill Maher, politically incorrect. Yeah, that was a great show. They, he had Brian Kemper on, who was from Rock for Life. He was like a rock musician, but they were pro life. Oh, okay. And so he was making a quite good reasoned argument about why abortion is wrong. Uh, but and Bill, uh, Bill Maher couldn't couldn't really respond to it, and so he said, uh, uh, "Brian Kemper had piercings in his eyebrows and ears and nose and all that." And so he, this was his response: "I think the piercing in your eyebrow has grown into your head, <laughs> affecting your thinking." <laughs> that was his. So ad hominem. Well, I mean, if that's the case, maybe we should all get piercings and then we'd all think pro-life thoughts. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think this this happens a lot like w when we're in a discussion and then someone will say, well, consider the source. They're moving yeah. it from an argument about the issue to uh, the considering that person, that, you know, they're untrustworthy or whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah, as in you're right. You hear this argument on both sides, right? Um, but I do think, like we've said, I think it's one of the most common fallacies that we hear on a regular basis that people are attacking people and not the issue that itself. Right. Right. Yeah. So if I can make that person look like an idiot or, or that they're dumb, then whatever they say doesn't matter. Yeah, I can disregard it. Okay, so argument from ignorance. And ignorance in this sense doesn't mean being stupid, but it just means not knowing. Like, because we don't know something, we can argue the, the opposite. Okay. Like, no one has ever proven that God exists, therefore there is no God. And this was uh, Richard Dawkins? Richard Dawkins, he's an atheist, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and was this like in an interview or uh, do you remember? Um, well, it's basically what he says. Oh, okay. All Just the time. in general. Yeah. yeah. Right. If it's not scientifically provable, then it, yeah. it's not true. And therefore, if God is not provable by scientific study, right. then God must not exist. Right. Yeah. Um, like I looked in a lot of different places and I didn't find God, so he, there must not exist. Okay. So this all falls under argument from ignorance. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because sometimes people will say, um, 
that they're that the, like if the church documents or if I don't know, the Roman Missal is silent on something, mm-hmm. then that means this. That so, means they're opposed to it or something. Like yeah, that. so like the example that comes up, you know, I should say in my life, but... Um, <laughs> but like, A person's life. <laughs> no, but it's just, uh, I rarely mention it. I didn't even, uh, but I feel that it's better not to hold hands during the Our Father Mm-hmm. Um, just because you see, I mean, we did when we were kids. Like you squeeze your brother's hand and tell like he screams or whatever. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, um, you're not really thinking about the words. Yeah, definitely. You know, like you're more worried about like, yeah, holding your gross brother's hand or your, yeah, whatever, or your girlfriend's hand or whatever. Right. Making uh, sure you're next to her so you can yeah. hold her hand at yeah. the father. <laughs> So, or the, uh, yeah, the cute girl that you see at mass or whatever. Um, but in any case, there's nothing in the rubrics. But there's one nothing way or in the, the other. rubrics. It's, it's silent. And so I've heard that argument that, well, it, if the missile says, doesn't explicitly say something to do something, mm-hmm. then the assumption should be that we just continue what we're doing, mm-hmm. which is standing there with our arms you know, folded or, or to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And so I've always used that as an argument for not holding hands. Mm. You know, when asked, you know, I try not to make a video. I mean, if you're going to pick your battles in a parish or whatever, that's not at least one or not, not one of my top yeah. issues. But, yeah. um, but when asked, I prefer that people not hold hands during the Our Father. Yeah. And that's been my argument. It's just that, you know, that when the rubrics don't say something, mm-hmm. then the assumption is that you carry on as you were. Yeah. Now, would that be a fallacy from ignorance? Since it, you know, it, you're kind of speaking for the silence of yeah. the missile. Not knowing. Not knowing. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's it's saying that we don't have any evidence of it, and so that must mean there is no evidence, as opposed to, well, there still might be there might be something else that we could look for. Like maybe there is a statement that was put out by the congregation on worship or something. Okay. Like that. Yeah, I don't have those so, resources in yeah. front of me. So, okay, so we'll just leave that kind of hanging then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, great. Awesome. Next one is appeal to pity. And that that is kind of like um, appeal to emotions, I suppose, which is... It's not a it's not a logical case, but it's it's appealing to someone's emotions and especially pity. And um, this the example that I had there was um, in favor of in vitro fertilization, which is uh, think of the parents who are not able to have children due to infertility. Don't they deserve the opportunity to have children of their own? So it's it's appealing to feel bad for those parents and then making an argument for a moral decision out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, like, and I mean, to kind of frame this, children from the Old Testament on have always been seen as a gift. Yeah. And um, as a good gift. Right. Right. And, um, but just that as a gift. And so the church has always said that, you know, we need to welcome whatever children come into mm-hmm. existence. Yeah. But we also 
can't we don't have a right to demand children right and so how do we receive couples as a gift and so yeah there are some couples that you know have a hard time conceiving mm. and, and that's a burden that they you know that maybe god is asking them to carry no yeah. um yeah and i think outside of um specialized cases um natural family planning or napro technology has been able to help people conceive in a much more effective rate even than in vitro fertilization yes. so for those of you um, who may be experiencing this, there is the Pope Paul VI Institute in mm. Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. You can look them up on the internet and they are pro-life, they are pro-Catholic, they are pro the teachings of the church, but using different methods and uh, different tests, they have helped couples actually succeed to conceive at a higher rate than in vitro fertilization mm. for a fraction of the cost right and it's morally uh, and is yeah and that's what i'm trying to say and it's morally or it's in line with the teachings of the church but morally right, right. good i um, think the statistics are like in vitro fertilization is about 25 percent effective in achieving pregnancy whereas yeah. the napro technology is about 80 percent yeah it's a huge difference and yeah i mean Maybe quickly why in vitro fertilization is wrong as often includes um, pornography, masturbation, and killing of embryos or... Yeah, they're producing multiple embryos. To um, and so those are all plant. parts of that are evil or bad um, or immoral that are involved in the process of in vitro and it's, fertilization. And it's an injustice to the child because every child has a right to be born of an act of love between yeah. their parents and not the the result of a lab procedure. Yeah. But those children that are conceived in a lab are children. They're, you know, they're still loved by God and yes. um, he wants them to exist. Yeah. yeah. You know. All right, let's see. Uh, you're, you're next. Appeal to the people. It is your patriotic duty to strengthen our economy by spending money during the time of war, <laughs> President Bush. That's uh, like a, a, a appeal to a patriotic, like everyone should jump on board and do this. Kind of like the bandwagon, you know, yeah. everyone's doing this and it's the right thing to do. Therefore, it's good for you to do like... But yeah, no one actually asks the question or logically, is it the right thing? Yeah. Regardless of how many people are doing it. Yeah. I mean, not to get anyone in trouble, but like I just, I think of like some priests that, you know, told people, you know, not to genuflect or not to receive on the tongue. Right. And the argument is, well, like, you know, uniformity, we don't want people to feel awkward you're making p people uncomfortable you're yeah. doing something different than everyone else yeah well i think they're just going by what the bishop's guidelines are that is if you are not receiving communion on your knees you should show some act of reverence which is a bow yeah in our country yes but um it's it's not excluding the other 
possibility yes. as an option. Uh, of reverence yeah. for the Boston Sacrament. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I think this kind of, a, it, it is the argument of the bandwagon, you know, everyone's doing it. Yeah. Which is often used. And as your parents probably said, if everyone was jumping off the cliff, would you do that too? <laughs> yeah. That's the answer to that one. Okay, uh, appeal to authority. And that is uh, using someone who is popular or has a position of power or authority to make a statement supporting your argument. And so that it doesn't have any logic in itself. It's just who is saying it that uh, gives it authority. Uh, so so the, the, the common thing would be like um, movie stars making statements on politics or morality or things like that, of which they have no expertise on yeah. those topics, but so, other than being famous. So what was your example? That's Alec Baldwin there. Yeah. If President Bush is elected, I will leave the country and live in Canada. You should not vote for him. No. So he's, an, he's a movie star, and so they're appealing to him because he's popular. And therefore, he appears to have some authority. And, yeah, and, and therefore, whatever he says must be right. Okay. Well, I mean, you heard those, the same things like in, what was that, you know, when President um, Trump was elected, too. Like, people were like, if Trump becomes president, I'm leaving the country. Right. Or, um, or what was the other one? Uh, not my president. Right. Like, yeah. you're a U.S. citizen. And he's the president of the United States. <laughs> right. I think he's your president. Right. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, I think um, this was mentioned to us even in philosophy class. Like, it, it could be appeal to authority even with St. Thomas Aquinas. You know, like, St. Thomas says uh, such and such. Well, yeah. as great as a mind as he is, and he... You know, usually he is right in what he says, but but it would be appeal to authority just to base an argument on the fact that St. Thomas said it. Yeah, rather than looking at what he actually said, it's what just he the says. fact that yeah. he said something. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I had, uh, there was a parish I was in where um, th this couple had run across this thing on the internet of this priest who had left the priesthood and joined the, a Protestant church. And, and he was making these statements as to why the Catholic Church is wrong. And it was disturbing to them because they were like, you know, are we in the right church? This was a priest who is saying this. He should know. Yeah. And so I wrote and said, you know, we might be tempted to think that that uh, because it's a priest who's talking that he knows what he's talking about. But we, we have to look at the arguments that he's making and see if they hold water or not on the basis of the arguments and not who's saying it. Yeah. And so I think that was helpful for them to Good. to see it that way. Hasty generalizations? Yeah, that's a pretty common one, too. So, And you have a quote. I assume this is from your mother. Right. If my grandfather smoked all his life and he didn't have lung cancer, therefore smoking doesn't cause lung cancer. Right. So she's taking the example of one person and making a hasty generalization yeah. to say that this is true in every case and you just have a few examples yeah what are you talking about no one ever does that <laughs> no one ever does that i've never heard anyone do that therefore no one ever does that <laughs> exactly 
That's not a hasty generalization at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. False cause. This is another one. It's uh, the Latin is um, post hoc ergo propter hoc, which means af it came after this. Therefore, it was because of this. And that is uh, one thing follows upon another in time. And you assume that the first thing was the cause okay. of the second. Yeah. So it could be, but not necessarily. Yeah. That would be a, it. Would be a false cause fallacy. Yes. And so, you, it, like scientific method, you have to prove that there's a correlation between yeah, these things. Cause and effect. Yeah. So I, I see your example here, um, <laughs> but this is like every sports fan. Oh, I should say every sports fan. That's a hasty generalization but a lot a lot of sports fans say this yeah. um and and even some sports players right like you know i have to do this sort of routine i have to tap the bat three times mm -hmm. you know blah 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 in order to do yeah well. so it, it's uh it's another name for it might be um superstition yeah right right yeah that could be superstition is a false cause like I walked under a ladder and then something bad happened to me. Well, they're unrelated. Yeah. So the example you have here is when I watch the Twins game, they lose. When I don't watch it, they win. I want the team to win more, so I won't watch it. In other words, it's the fact of my watching it that causes them to lose the game. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, you know, or people who... You know, on game day, right, they have to wear their cap a certain way. They have no impact right. sitting in their living room. Right. I mean, the Vikings are going to lose no matter what, you know. whether you do that or not. Yeah, and I think yeah. this, this one's used in politics a lot, too. Like, since he became president, our country has gone down the tubes. Well, there's probably a lot of factors that have gone into that more than just... The particular person who's president at the time. Got it. Okay. Uh, Next one. Begging the question. That means you're assuming as true what you're still trying to prove. the uh, The example I have is um, this was a statement from this group. City or celibacy is the issue. I don't know if you remember them or not, but no. They during the time of uh, priestly abuse yeah they said it's because of celibacy that priests are abusing people yeah if if priests were allowed to marry then this wouldn't be happening and so they're begging the question meaning they, they've already assumed that that's the answer yeah so it's kind of a, a circular logic circular logic yeah, that's what another way of saying it yeah yeah so i'm assuming my own answer and therefore I'm associating a cause. Right, right. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming the answer and I use it as a basis for the answer. <laughs> yeah. So can you think of another example of that? Because um, I feel like it happens a lot. Yeah, that does happen a lot too. Sorry to put you on the spot. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But. Okay, well, we're kind of running out of time. Maybe we're over time, so okay. we'll move on. Um, Complex question. That one is kind of um, 
That is where you ask a question that is complex, meaning there are several, there are several things in there already that you have to divide out and argue oh, one okay. at a time. So the, the common one for that is, how long have you been beating your wife? Well, it's a complex question because you're, you're asking how long, but you're already assuming that I'm beating my wife, and that hasn't been proven either yet. Okay. So, um, just so people know, Father Beerman doesn't have a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Nor does Father Vogel. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> uh, thanks for that. Okay. <laughs> the no, church but, is your bride. The church is our bride, yes. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, so you're asking several things. Or several things need to be discussed or reasoned on their own. Right, yeah. And okay. you can't just lump them all together. Okay. Okay, and then the last one. Ignoring the issue to promote or denounce something else. And that, this is a common one, too, where you, you ignore the argument uh, and you, you turn to something else. And especially, I think you hear a lot in the the uh, case for abortion okay is it killing a human being that's really the issue yeah is this destroying a human life that's but they'll they'll come up with all kinds of other things yeah to ignore the issue like uh, what about you know a woman who yeah has a, a tough pregnancy yeah or are you going to be there to take care of those children when they're not wanted yeah um you know, pro-lifers aren't there to to help families. They just tell them that what they're doing is wrong, and oh. and uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's ignoring the question or the real issue, which never happens in our presidential debates. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. you mean like where they ask them a question and they can dodge it and start like, talking like about just all kinds say of what other they want to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, that never happens. <laughs> they always answer the question directly. <laughs> Same thing with media interviews of people. Um, I'm gonna. Ignore whatever you question you give me and say whatever I want to say. <laughs> right. What I was going to say anyways. Right, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm just waiting for you to be finished speaking so that I can make my points. <laughs> Regardless of what you're saying. Uh, that never happens in relationships either, does yeah, it? that never happens. <laughs> yeah, this could be a good, uh, you could use this in your... Uh, marriage prep. Marriage prep, yeah. <laughs> That's right. How to have good communication. <laughs> Uh, listening is a big part yeah. well thanks again for spending time with us again it looks like we're a little bit over our half hour I'm not quite sure how Betsy's going to edit this but thank you again for sticking in uh, with us to the end if you're still listening mm -hmm. uh, I guess happy new year yeah have a blessed new year God's blessings and grace upon you. Continue to strive for holiness, strive for sainthood. Nope. Um, strive for eternal life. Yep. And if you have any other topics or questions you want us to discuss or joke about, send them in. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how serious we'll be about it, but we'll try. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Take care. God bless. Yep. Take care.
so anyway, we took logic. Was it the first semester that you were there? I think. Uh, either first or second. I think you're right. I think, I think for semester. most of us, yeah. So it was our first introduction to philosophy and uh, meeting Father Fabian for the first time. He would read the class list from memory, like he memorized the names of all the students, and then he would say the I, name and then look around and find out who it was and then he would know you from then on yeah it would attach your face to your name right so i think he memorized the the name so the class list right. ahead of time right and then once he saw you he attached a face with a name and yeah, then and like he knew then he would know you after that and then if you if you missed class after that he would say he would see you later in the day or something and mm -hmm. there was a light going off in my head next to your name today <laughs> Okay, who can do the best Fabian impression in our diocese? I don't know who it, would that would be. Probably the younger guys, since they imitate people a lot now. <laughs> the younger priests. Who can do the best you? I haven't heard. <laughs> they usually don't do it around me. <laughs> I I am unimpressionable, so pretty sure no one does any impressions of me. On so. anyone, I haven't heard anyone. <laughs> yeah, trying exactly. To do that. All right. Well, that was fun. Um, I've got a, a story about Father Fabian. I don't know if you have any. Uh, no, uh, go for it. All right. So we had um, we had the students. They were serving wild game f feed one night, and the, okay. uh, the seminarians were cooking the meal, as opposed to the yeah. chefs at the university. Yeah. So yeah. that always frightens me. Yeah, it was, little, it was a little it, questionable. Anyways, go on. Well, anyway, they they served uh, venison that was fried up or something like that. Deer, wild game meat, and um, so Father uh, Fabian took some and put it on his plate, and then. And then I think he was in the midst of eating it when they told him what it was. And uh, and he got it down and they said, how was that that deer meat? And he said, it took three acts of the will for me to swallow it. <laughs> oh. Three acts of the will. That was pretty good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Doesn't really have to do with... Uh with logic but what was the thing that he always made us memorize oh the square of opposition that was from well no class. not the square of opposition uh oh good better best yeah oh yeah let's see good better best never let it rest till the good becomes better and the better becomes best for the heart does not truly rest until it has the best, best. yeah so therefore hitch your wagon to a star and aim high so that you don't end up below the below. Because who wants to end up below the below? No one, that's who. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's, there's so much good in that statement too. Yeah, yeah, he so kept adding to it over the years. Okay. So, yeah, because I was gonna say, I, I don't remember the first two thirds of that. When I was a so. student, it was just good, better, best, never let it rest. Was, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No, because by the time I was in seminary, it was, um, yeah, the good becomes best. Uh, I think that's where it ended. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think the hill hitching it to a wagon came after me. Yeah, yeah. So it, those of you who know the actual saying, you can correct us in the notes <laughs> after this. Oh. 